a Midnight Waffles podcast. This is Battle Stations, a podcast about the Columbus Destroyers and the Arena Football League. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, again, thank you for listening to Battle Stations, a uh, podcast that's in uh, partnership here with AFLFanZone.com. Uh, it was it was a fun week uh, for the Destroyers. Obviously, it didn't go the way we wanted on Saturday against uh, against Albany, but it 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 was great having the team back at home. Uh, I mean, that was just so much fun to finally see them come back. Uh, it started with a cool meetup. Uh, we talked about it last week on the show a little bit. Met up with the uh, arena fan guys, uh, some guys from InsideTheArena.com. Um, the commissioner stopped by for a second and said hi, which we're going to talk a little bit more later in the show with with the question that came in. But it was cool seeing people there. Um, I saw uh, it was Casey. Casey uh, saw K- uh, a, a Casey Depew here. He follows us on Twitter. Saw him, so shout out to him. It was cool seeing him at the show uh, or seeing him at the meetup beforehand. So it was fun to fun to see some people and and just know you know because so often when you know I'm doing podcasts and Twitter and everything else, it's you don't see everybody every day, so you don't really think about. There's a re- being a real human being on the other side of what's going on. So it was really cool. Um, initial thoughts from from Saturday night. Uh, I mean, attendance was a little over 7,000, which I heard some people say was a disappointment. I don't think it was. Um, the whole offseason leading into the regular season, people were talking about how before the Destroyers had, you know, 14, 15,000 or 10,000 in games or 12,000 or whatnot. First of all, guys, it's been 10 years since the Destroyers played a down of football in Nationwide Arena. Uh, the Columbus landscape's changed. There's a lot of different things going on, and you got to reestablish yourself as something to go to in the market. Um, I think 7,000 for the first night out was really good. I think it's starting to help reestablish and rebuild the brand. Um, so I thought that was good. Uh, something else about Saturday night, I'd had, I'd purchased tickets in the front row of the Upper Bowl, uh, originally thinking, you know what, that won't be open for all the games. It'll be cool to kind of see the game from that perspective. It, it would have been nice to get a note before the game that they'd uh, decided to close the Upper Bowl. And I mean, they, they moved me to a place in the Lower Bowl, and they, me and the people with me, and it wasn't a big deal at all. But it was it, it was a smart move to, to move people to the lower bowl. Um, I think it made a more compact feeling. I, I do like the move of, of the teams around the league. I know the Valor do it. Um, but the teams who are in these bigger arenas like Philadelphia, Columbus, and Washington, where they're in these arenas that are NHL, NBA-style arenas, to try and put everybody in that lower bowl is a better deal because it feels... When there's nobody up there, it doesn't feel as spread out. It feels like a more intimate experience. It feels like it's more full than, than it should. And, and the thing is, honestly, if they sold out that lower bowl every game, I think they'd be ecstatic. That would be uh, a cool feeling. The place would be loud. The place was pretty well rocking as it was, I felt, at different points. Um, I, I mentioned this later in the interview you'll hear I have with Coach Salk, but early in the game, you could tell if you, because I, where I was sitting was behind the benches about, I don't know. Uh, 20 rows back from the benches. Um, but you could look and you could see the Destroyers players like really getting the crowd pumped up and really getting into it. And you could see the looks on the guys' faces. They were enjoying in front, playing in front of a home crowd. And that was fun to see. And it was fun to be a part of that and to know that that's what was going on. 
Um, other, I mean, it, other than that, I mean, as far as just normal game stuff, they had a couple of hiccups as far as game production things. Um, the one thing I've, I'm curious to see how it plays out over time. Cause I talked last week on the show that I was real excited to see captain destroyer and I'm not sure how the design of that's going to go long term. Um, I'm interested to see where it was because the term I would use to describe her was menacing. And again, I'm not trying to color perceptions. If you've already got an idea of what you thought of it, if you loved it, great. I just, the mask was the full face mask was a bit off putting. Um, I understand the idea being that they want to be able to just change whoever's under that mask. My thought was they were going to do something simpler, like like a Batman-style mask or, or like something you see in a TV show where the character wears a mask over their eyes and everyone kind of jokes that they don't know who's really under there, but everybody would really know, that sort of thing. And I get the premise of, you know, when you go to a, if, if a different woman has to be Captain Destroyer next year, you don't want it to be that jarring, but if the cons- costume's consistent enough, I don't think kids will care, and I think adults just get it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think where I really think it hurt was, so the idea is to use Captain Destroyer as a mascot, get everybody riled up and excited for things. The fact that you couldn't see your facial expressions, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it's an interesting choice. I want to see how they play out and, and how it works from here on out, but, and how other people feel about it. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm not everybody. I, I just, I'm interested to see where, where this goes. Anyway, other than that, I mean, a lot of the game stuff was, was really well done. I mean, they had some hiccups like you would for anything else normally, but other than that, I really liked it. I really liked the production. I liked the, you know, they had a cool intro. They did the, the Captain Destroyer coming down from the ceiling thing was really cool. Um, I thought they handled everything really well. They had, you know, some gear there you could buy. They had, uh, you know, the, the, everything was done pretty well. So I was, I was pretty happy with all that. The game itself, um, you'll hear some of my thoughts come out when we talk to Coach Sock. It, it was, I tweeted early in the game that when they had that fourth down stop right at the goal line and it was the first drive and you could feel it in the building, the rate, the place was getting rocking, people were really getting into it. And then immediately there was a turnover from a fumbled snap. And it was just, it felt like the destroyer season so far in a nutshell that the team does something really good and then they give it right away. And so that it was frustrating the game itself. Uh, Fabian Guerra was incredible, which we're going to get to more in the questions, but, uh, now we're going to go to our interview with Coach Salk. After that, what you're going to hear is going to be the audio directly from, so the quality won't be perfect, but some, the audio directly from the press conference right afterwards. Uh, you'll be hearing the questions that were with Fabian Guerra and then with Grant Russell. Uh, and then we got our interview this week with uh, uh, with BJ from AFL Fan Zone about the Washington Valor. And then I'll be right back with you to wrap up with the questions, folks. Welcome to the Battle Stations podcast. Columbus Destroyers head coach, Matt Salk. How are you doing this evening, coach? I'm doing okay. I'm alive. <laughs> At this point, I'm alive. That's all that matters. <laughs> so, again, we, we want to keep you that way as long as we can here. Um, yeah. Now, now, worst thing I wanted to just ask, uh, sitting in the stands on Saturday night, you could kind of tell from the reactions on the bench, the players were really enjoying playing in front of a home crowd. Uh, did you see any of that energy in the play, or does that energy affect coaching at all or how you know kind of how the coaches are doing maybe not how they're doing it but just the feelings during the game anything like that yeah i mean uh, anytime you play at home it's it's special and i think these guys 
um, really kind of fed off the energy from the fans. And, I mean, I could tell a difference. I mean, I think there's always a difference when you play at home. Um, and, you know, I thought these guys played hard. And uh, without a doubt, I think there was a little bit of a difference. Yeah, the the place I felt it, it and it, it's it's a shame on how it played out, but that very first drive when – when uh, you held Albany there at the, you know, from that fourth down, when they, right when they were trying to get into the end zone, you could feel that place was getting ready to really pop. And then, obviously, the turnover happened on the ensuing drive, so it it, it kind of sucked the air out of it. But it, I don't know; it really felt like things were about to get popping in there. Yeah, and that's yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly what you want. And you know, defense got you know got the job done, and then you know it's it's just been kind of a a, a problem for us on offense this year is that that exchange and, you know, we're continuing to work on it. Uh, you, you'll see some changes uh, on the offensive line and fullback position this week uh, to hopefully kind of, you know, fix that issue. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I love playing at home and, you know, especially playing at, you know, nationwide, which, which to me is probably the, one of the best arenas in this uh, arena football league. And uh, to me, it was awesome. All right. Now with the, with the data to, to look at the game film, uh, I mean, I know when you talked right after the game, you were talking about how it was those those mistakes, the interceptions that shouldn't be thrown, that the the fumble right off the snap. I mean, was there anything beyond that that you were thinking that the team wasn't hitting on, or was it does it did it come down to those turnovers on Saturday night? I mean, yeah, it it, it did, and you know, I I looked at the film and you know Grant graded out at about seventy eight, and you know for us to win the game, he's got to be right around eighty to eighty three. So, you know, I mean, those two interceptions were, were big. You know, the fumble, I think you kind of withstand. But, you know, three possessions that you get stopped on, because that, that was the only three possessions we got stopped on. And, you know, in the second half, we scored on every drive. So, to me, it's just it's just frustrating. And, you know, I've talked to Grant about it, where, you know, those those interceptions didn't happen on fourth down. They happened on, you know, on second or third down where you can easily just throw the ball away, move on to the next play, and you've still got a chance to score. And that to me, you know, if, if those things happen on fourth down, uh, you know, I mean, that's just part of football. Like, he's trying to make a play. I understand it. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, but, you know, when things happen on second, third down, or even first down, um, I just feel like, you know, you could easily move on to the next down, accept the negative, uh, and don't turn it into a, du- a double negative. Yeah, I would say after Saturday night because the the offense did look to have more pop than they've had in any any previous game, at least from what I where I sat and watched it. It looks like they're they're at that point where it's it's not that the team can't match up physically with the rest of the league. It looks like it's all those mental mistakes. Would you agree on that? Yeah, I mean we're we're in every game. I mean that's again that's the thing that's frustrating me is that you know it, it's not anything that any team is doing you know, scheme wise or being better athletes. I think it's just, you know, just, uh, you know, mental mistakes that we're making, whether it's a, you know, a bad read on, on a route where a guy's open in Baltimore or, or, or it's a fumble snap. Um, those are things that, um, you know, that they're not, they're not making great plays. Uh, we're just not making the right reads or, or we're just, you know, fumbling the snap. So to me, that's stuff that you can correct. And that's the stuff that's kind of frustrating that if we can get it corrected, we will be in the game come fourth quarter and have a chance to win instead of being always, you know, always chasing that seven points uh, or 14 points that we've been down. 
now you mentioned you know when you were grading out uh, Grant during the game or during the watching the film later. Is that something that happens with every player after you go back and watch the film for the week, kind of looking at them, seeing how they how they played compared to what you thought they could, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, every every game I grade out the guys. You know, like, what's funny is that, you know, Fabian had, I think, 13 catches for, you know, 200 and some odd yards and four touchdowns. And, um, and in reality, he actually graded out at a 76%, which was the lowest in our wide receiver group. And it kind of came down to depths on his routes, um, you know, releases, um, you know, when he's running his route, stuff like that. So, you know, that can be a good learning tool for him that, you know, you could be even better than what you did. And that's the same thing with Grant. You know, Grant was, I think, 22 or 31. So, you know, that, that to me is a, is a great game. Like, he, I think he completed 70, what is that, 70, I think 71% of your passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we want to be right on 67 to 70. And, you know, it's just, it was literally two bad decisions. And that's, to me, that, that was really the difference of the game. All right. And, and looking at the, the injury reports that are coming in now, we're seeing, um, apparently Fabian Guerra had some limited participation today. Uh, the other name that really jumps out at me was, um, was Paul Rivas on the IR. You know, as far as Fabian, do we expect to see him on, do we expect to see him coming Saturday or is that still kind of up in the air? No, he's going to play. I mean, that's, you know, we're just trying to be smart. I mean, the guy's taking a lot of hits. Uh, he's on the return. He's on kickoff. He's on kickoff. Uh, you know, return, obviously returning. He's on offense. So the guy's taking a lot of reps, uh, taking a lot of hits. So you just really want to be smart with the, um, you know, the amount of, um, you know, banging he gets in practice. Because um, to me, it's about, at this point with him, just kind of refining his route. And then also just trying to make sure he's healthy enough for the game. Um, and, you know, obviously Paul, losing Paul is big. Paul's been a, a, a good part of our offense. But, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I didn't want to go into the game with, you know, 23 guys instead of 24. And I had a guy coming off and, and Rob uh, Wheelwright, which I really like. Um, and I wanted to make sure that we had a spot on the roster for him. Uh, are there any updates on, on how uh, Varmasani's doing? With uh, I know he, he took a couple of big hits on Saturday. He looked kind of banged up. Do we know if we expect to see him on Saturday? Yeah, I think he'll play. You know, again, it's it's about, uh, you know, when you, do, when you look at those practice reports, sometimes it's just about getting these guys, you know, ready. Again, to me, it's about being ready for the game, and that's all that matters. So if we need to rest these guys for three days, four days, um, in order for them to be able to play, then we'll do that. We'll make sure that they're getting reps, you know, without pads on uh, so that they're staying in shape. But for the most part, I want to make sure that these guys are ready for the game. All right. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're right. You know, what? nobody cares about what happens Monday through Thursday. It's about what happens on yeah. Saturday. So Yeah. It's like Alan, it's like what Allen Iverson said. Practice? Are we talking about practice? <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's me. I mean, it's important to practice. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um but, you know, these guys, if they're banged up, I'd rather them kind of sit, get their mental film in where they're watching film, and then be ready for the game. Going to give Rich Whitmire flashbacks, quoting Allen Iverson there. <laughs> uh, That's hilarious. <laughs> um, now, on su- Saturday night, we saw both teams kind of midway through the second quarter. Uh, I think it was on uh, kind of back-to-back drives. They started off doing you guys. I think you guys did it first, and then Albany did onside kicks. Does this yeah. does this feel like kind of maybe where we're heading a little bit with how these timing rules are affecting late in the second half of the, the late in the 
second quarter and late in the fourth quarter where it's, you know what, I'm going to try and if they're going to have a possession, it's going we're going to try and make it a quick one, either stop them or they score and, and move on to us getting the ball back? Or, or what, yeah, what do you think behind that? Yeah, sometimes that's the goal. Uh, to me, it was no, knowing that I was down basically about two possessions and I wanted to try to get one back. Um, and that really is kind of the goal of, of, of doing that. And, you know, it sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and, you know, the last couple of times I've done it, it hasn't worked out. But, you know, the, the unfortunate thing now with the new timing rules is when you're down 14, unless you get some sort of interception or, you know, defensive touchdown, it's really hard to come back. And, you know, just because there's no – there's no one minute. You know, usually with one minute, you could get about three scores in. With 30 seconds, I mean, you're, you're talking maybe one score at the most. So it, it has been a kind of a, a big adjustment. Um, and that's something that you – it's just you – know, it, it kind of sucks because if you're aggressive and you don't get it, then, then you kind of – you lose that momentum. But obviously, if you do get it, then, then that's positive. And, and you can kind of get that back and, and, and get – you know, gain that uh, possession back. But – you know, for us lately, it's, we've lost it. And that's something I've tried to work with these guys and the fact that, you know, we, we really don't want to be in that position. And lately, you know, again, when you're talking two turnovers in the red zone, those are two possessions that we gave up. So, I mean, that's, that's where we want to really kind of concentrate and fix uh, going into Washington. Now, speaking of going into Washington, you've been watching film of them, I'm sure getting ready for them. What unique challenges do the Washington Valor pose for for Columbus, I mean, this is the first time they've played them. So, what is it you're kind of telling the guys to keep an extra eye on as you go to play Washington this week? I mean, they're a good team. They they have good team speed. Uh, they've got good veteran defensive backs. Um, they've got a quarterback that you know won the championship last year. Is a basically a, a threat on the run and also by passing. Um, so, it's just one of those games where we have to be really sound on defense. And we, again, the same thing. If you don't take care of the football on offense, um, then you're going to lose games. So I want to make sure that we – and that's my job too. I've got to make sure that I give Grant uh, a chance to be successful. And that to me is, is, is really the key for us to winning is if, if I can get Grant to make smart decisions, um, you know, have positive uh, plays, then I, think you have, then I think we have a really good chance of winning this game. All right. Well, thank you very much for your evening, uh, for your time this evening, Coach. And uh, I'll let you get back to, to whatever you're needing to do. Get ready for Saturday night. <laughs> I appreciate it. You take care. Thank you. This was the press conference featuring Fabian Guerra. Ask what? Fabian, you obviously had a pretty good game today, but not the result the team wanted. Uh, what's your reaction to the to this fourth loss of the season? Oh, just too many mistakes. I mean. That's not, I mean, that's not a 3-0 team. I think we're way better than them. Uh, we just had a couple mistakes. First play, we get a stop, and then we get a turnover. That's, that's big. In this game, you got to score every, every drive. And us, us uh, getting a, uh, fumbling the first play, that's not, that's not how you start the game. So we just had too many mistakes. I think, I think it should be a, a way different ball game, but too many mistakes. Your kick return was pretty uh, electric. Popple into the stands. Uh, I mean, uh, you just walk us through that play and how that energy kind of sparked you guys. Um, I just feel like I'm an underdog, so I just, I just 
work hard. I mean, in the off season and every every day, I just I just give it my all, and, and it shows on game day. I'm I'm committed to this, and and I want to win. So every play, every down, I just give it everything I got. Did you see the flag initially or anything? I did. I didn't see the flag until after I scored. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. I still don't know what it was. Before the game, there were a little bit of uh, festivities between a player and a coach. Um, can you maybe talk about what happened there? Like, is that the strangest thing you've ever seen? Uh, not really. Uh, we all were with Memphis Express of the AF, and and they were talking stuff to me, and and I told them something. Uh, that they didn't make it past training camp and, and whatever, and, and they gave me stuff. So it was just back and forth, but it's football. I mean, you're going to have fire inside the game, but we're all family outside the game. But, yeah, I knew them before. And actually, a funny, I was with Albany last year for a week, and they let me go. So I just had so much built up in, inside me and, and how they made me drive all the way up there and, and send me straight back home. It was, just, it was just a little bit of everything was built up inside, and then I wish we would have won. Oh, I mean, yeah, Grant, I mean, he's a young quarterback. I mean, I think I think he's a really good quarterback, and he's only going to get way better. I mean, he's so smart. Yeah, he had a couple mistakes, but, I mean, we all have mistakes, and and we just have to limit the mistakes to a minimum. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like Grant. Me and him, after practice, we get balls in. We, we just make sure we're crisp every day. That's So that's how we had that connection today. So Are you guys kind of bonding on the field and off the field? Oh yeah, me and me and Grant are cool. We both went to a D two school, so we both are, are have a lot in common. And and yeah, he's he's a great guy on and off the field. So, was there anything about practice this week or the game plan this week that made you you know kind of feel like this big day was coming, or was it just like any other week? Uh, for me personally, um, I attack every week the same way. I study them. I, I I practice hard. I go all out in practice. And and but as a team, I think we had an awesome week of practice. I mean, I thought we were gonna. I mean, I think we did have a good game. We just had a couple mistakes. But, yeah, this week we, we had a real good uh, week of practice. I mean, the coach said that people apologize to him when you don't feel like you're working hard enough. Is this true? Um, I mean, I'm, I could always get better. I, I messed up on a route um, in the goal line and, and that I should have scored on. And, and, and I'm hard on myself. I, I want to be perfect uh, every play. And, and, I, and I told him I, I was mad. I was mad. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I have to be better than that. Even though I had six game success on performance, I still want to, even on the little plays, I want to still be perfect on, on them. That's, I'm just hard on myself. So, Fabian, um, I know you guys are on four, but you personally, have you seen progress in this team each of the four games? I don't, I mean, I don't think we look, at, look like an 0-4 team. I think we, we are an 0-4 uh, team, but I don't think we look like one, to be honest. I mean, if you take two of those mistakes away, it's a whole different ball game. If Barma doesn't get hurt, get hurt, it's a whole different ball game. I mean, it's just uh, just three plays, and it, and we're winning by 14, if you ask me. But but yeah, I mean, I don't think we're an 0-4 team. I mean, we just just got to fix some stuff. And talk about the play where Coach Sock uh, called dial up a good play when you were all alone, and nobody could touch you on that touchdown. Um yeah, I mean, Coach Sock is. I played arena last year at and. And the plays, calls that he make are, are unbelievable. Some, sometimes I'm, I'm in the huddle like, what the, like, what do I have? But yeah, his play calling is unmatched everything, I, everything I've ever been in. And, um, and yeah, Coach, Coach Sox an awesome uh, offensive coordinator, uh, head coach slash offensive play caller. So yeah, I mean, his play calling has the defense confused every play, so. You guys? All right, thanks, baby. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
This is the part of the press conference with Grant Russell. Grant, what's your uh, initial reaction to uh, you know this first home game? Uh, obviously, it's not the result that you wanted, but what was it like to be here at Nationwide Arena for the first time? Um, the home crowd was great. Um, it was definitely an advantage that we had. Uh, they were very loud, especially in key situations of the game. Um, just the offensive side of the ball, I got got to quit turning the ball over. Um, it's, it's what it comes down to. Our defense played good enough for us to win. Um, I just just got to be better. Um, being at 0 and 4, I mean, it's a it's a tough hill to climb. But uh, how do you guys stay positive and optimistic uh, toward the rest of the season? We just got to go back to work. Um, we know we got an off day coming up tomorrow. Um, and Monday we got a film review, so we got to learn from the mistakes this evening, and then get ready to go back at it. We play next Saturday, back again, back at home against a good Washington team. So we're just excited to have another opportunity to keep playing. Have you had any other experiences like this in your career between ODU and everything else, where you had a, a team that things didn't go right to start the season? Yeah, I mean, how did you guys handle that? Uh, I, my senior year, we had went 0 and 3 at Ohio Dominican, um, and we rattled off seven straight. Um, so we really just dug deep. Um, that's what we're going to have to do here. We've got a lot of guys that have won before and obviously want to win. No one wants to lose. Um, so we just got to go. Like I said before, we just got to go back to work. Um, and that starts with me. Uh, three turnovers, six turnovers in two games, not going to win many football games. Um, so at the end of the day, you got to look yourself in the mirror and really just figure out what you've got to do better. Um, and I will. Uh, it's just I, I got to be better knowing the situation. Um, we got to live for another down, really. So if nothing's there, I'll scramble around, just throw it away. Uh, I got to quit forcing things. Um, obviously, it happened a couple times tonight where I tried to make a play outside of the pocket and it didn't go so well. It was an interception. So um, just got to learn from that. Uh, and like I said before, just know what the situation is and get rid of the ball. Do you feel that the game slowed down now that you're three games, three stars in, four games in? Yeah, I think so. Um, I feel like we completed the ball pretty well tonight. Like I said before, it's just knowing the situation, knowing when to take shots, knowing when not to take shots. And I took two wrong shots, three wrong. I mean, out of the, the first play of the game, fumbled the snap. So um, it's just, like I said before, just knowing the right situation. And I got to just be better in a situation with football. But yeah, it is getting slower. Grant, uh, talk about uh, Fabian and how he's coming along. And can you believe that Albany cut him? I mean, he's so good. He's a great player. Um, you try to get the ball in his vicinity, he's going to make a play. You can see he's got two kick returns and in two games, so he's he's a special special player. Um, but that I mean, not only him, our whole our entire receiving core is special players. Um, so when it comes down to it, you just got, I just got to get the ball in the right spot. I mean, they're open more times than not. Um, there's there's a very it's very rarely where they're covered. Um, so that comes back to me. I got to be better for our guys. How does it feel for you being a local guy and being able to play for this team? Uh, it's a huge blessing, um, but I can't uh, I can't take it for granted. That's for sure. Because um, you can be gone in an instant, so uh, I just, I just like I said before, I just got to be better. Um, but it's a huge blessing, yeah. What was like the uh, local environment? You know, I, I think you settled in in the middle of the game, kind of in the middle of the passes, which is hard to do in arena. Um, How did you feel going to the game, being uh, local and probably having a lot of fans here? Yeah, I was just, re- I mean, I was really excited. Uh, it was an opportunity for me to play in front of a lot of people who had seen me play from a very young age. Um, so. I, w- I was very excited, excited from that aspect, um, and I, I really was settled from the beginning. Um, I just made a couple mistakes, and it cost us. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, and welcome to the Battle Stations podcast. BJ Glosson, Washington Valor writer for AFLFanzone.com. How are you doing tonight, BJ? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. I mean, as, as well as we can be expected. It's been a looks like the weather's about to turn nice here in uh, Ohio, but doing as nice as we can for an 0 4 team. Um, well, it's better than the three inches of snow that Denver got today. So, oh, man. no matter how bad your weather is, if your baseball field isn't covered, you're doing good. <laughs> Especially when we're late, man. My goodness. That's All right. right. So, the Washington Valor are two and two, the defending Arena Arena Bowl champions. Um, so for a team that, that had such a up and down season last year, I mean, two and 10 and then winning an arena bowl, how's this season going compared to, uh, compared to, compared to expectations there? Uh, I think we're actually doing a lot better than our expectations. Uh, last year we won the last two games to win the arena bowl. Uh, we got into the playoffs on a little bit of a shaky situation. Obviously there was only four teams in the league. Uh, you know, so every team made it because they do a home and home through the playoff system. But we actually hit our stride last year, the last couple games. Uh, Arvell Nelson, our quarterback, only played six games to end the season. And we our offense really found our stride at the end of the season. We only lost by one in our home playoff game against Albany, which was a two point conversion in overtime. And then went into Albany and uh, won that game by I believe it was six or seven, if I remember right now. Uh, so this year, honestly, we, we should be 4-0. Uh, we should have won the first game against Baltimore. Two picks by Arvell inside the seven, plus a, a fourth down that didn't get into the end zone. And then Albany, we just shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, four drives inside the seven that did not produce points. That's 28 points you left off the board. Instead of losing by nine, we should have won by 19. Uh, so the last two games, we've really not shot ourselves in the foot and we found a way to come out with wins. So now we've won two in a row, which is the first time that the Washington franchises have ever won two regular season games in a row. And, uh, this week we have a chance if we can keep our dub streak alive and keep y'all's L streak alive, then, uh, we'll have the chance for the first time in franchise history, other than week one of our expansion year to have a winning record in the regular season. (laughs) <laughs> and it's so weird to say that about a team that in two years has has won an arena bowl. But yeah, it, it is kind of kind of crazy that's worked out. But hey, it's there are times when I've watched them. Yeah, where the, the play has been. They've looked real good. So I, I can see that coming now. I mean, looking over what Arvell Nelson's been able to do. I mean, he's ran for seven touchdowns. He's thrown for 17. Is he in your mind? Is he the most valuable player in the league to his team? Or, or what do you see him in that conversation right now? Well, he's definitely the most valuable player to our team. Uh, is he the most valuable player in the league? You know, in a league that praises passing and uh, doesn't really so much praise rushing. Uh, I mean, he's got, I think it's like 97 yards. I'd have to go back and look at the stats. I don't have them in front of me, which is my bad. Uh, but uh, I believe he has 97 yards rushing and he has, uh, you know, seven touchdowns. He is by far the most valuable player on the Washington Valor team. If he can't kill you with his arm and you get lulled into a defense where you're just sitting back on your heels, he will kill you with his feet. He proved it against Atlantic City in week three where they all backed up and they all took over the DB spots and he just cut the corner and went 30 or 40 yards to the house. Uh, He did it again this past week. 
He is a killer with his legs. It's not something that you see very often from quarterbacks in the league. Most quarterbacks in the league like to stay in the pocket, toss the ball, don't get hit. Arvell Nelson is a big boy, and he loves the contact. When I talked to him last week after the game, he even said it. I don't care if you hit me because I'm going to hit you. And that's the key when it comes to him. Now, I see that your quarterback, Grant Russell, will lay the lumber. I saw him truck stick a linebacker against that in that Baltimore game. And I truly believe that these two quarterbacks have a lot in common. Grant Russell is not scared to run. Arvell Nelson is not scared to run. So I think it's going to come down to who's going to give up the ball and who's willing to lay the lumber when it comes to the quarterback. I, yeah, I'm glad you saw that because that is something that I – I mean, you mentioned that play where you said Arvell took it around the side, and that, that reminded me of what Russell did the other week against Baltimore. I mean, it, it's it's interesting to see that that extra layer come out because some of the other quarterbacks in the league, you just don't see that out of. I mean, you're not going to see Tommy Grady running around the outside and try and make a play with his feet for the most part. Um, maybe on like a quarterback dive or something, but, but that's about it. Well, even that, uh, you know, Hibbert, Grady, Rodaball – uh, all three of those guys, they love to sit in the pocket. They got the Tom Brady mentality. Get it out. Get it out quick. Don't get hit. I've hardly ever seen Hibbard run. I'm not saying he doesn't run, but even when they get into the goal stand situation, it's give it to the fullback. And then with Rodabaugh, give it to Ferns. And with Grady, you know, you give it to another fullback or you give it to somebody that's going to come around the end. Arvell Nelson will tell you straight up. I'm coming into that huddle. I'm getting the ball. Will Corbin's going to block for me. We'll put Jimmy Gordon in there to add a distraction on the offensive side. But I'm taking that ball into the end zone. And uh, just about every time that I've seen them inside the three, it's been a quarterback sneak of some kind, whether it's sneak up the middle or sneak to the side. Arvell Nelson is not scared to take a hit, and he has proven it time and time again. I was looking at the standings before, before talking with you tonight. Uh, just trying to get a sense. I mean, I know with the point differential and everything else, it can change how everything goes out. And obviously, Albany is going to be at number one with the 4-0 record. And you got those four teams in the middle at 2-2, two and two, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, Atlantic City, and the Destroyers at 0-4. The thing that really surprised me was of those four teams in the middle at 2-2, two and two, the point differentials. In the Philadelphia Soul, they have a overall zero point differential. The Atlantic City Blackjacks is overall zero. The Brigade are plus 10, the Valor are minus 3. I, I mean, just I guess just a second on your thoughts on the team, the league added two more teams, but there still just seems to be this big pack of teams that could all, any one of these teams could make the playoffs and any one of these teams could miss still. it It's just so crazy to see that. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, when the, when the year started, uh, you know, I've, been a fan for a long time. I've uh, been an especially big fan since Washington got their expansion team a few years ago. And I've always seen that no matter who you are and no matter when you start, the talent gap is not as big as most people think it is. You know, when the NFL has an expansion team or the NBA has an expansion team, they do these expansion drafts and they try and get some good players to those teams. But everybody knows it's going to be a slow, methodical grind just to get that team good enough to compete. And rarely do you ever see an expansion team 
compete in year one or year two. I mean, the Las Vegas Knights in the NHL just kind of threw a monkey wrench in that last year. They competed from the beginning of the year to the end of the year and were even in the Stanley Cup finals against the Washington Capitals. But, you know, with the AFL, every team is so close. And, you know, uh, the Washington Valor have not lost by more than nine. They lost by, I think it was eight to, to Baltimore in week one, nine to, to Albany in week two. And I think that all these games are so close because it only takes one second to score in the AFL. Even if you start on the one-yard line, all you have is 49 yards. Last year, I saw Arvell throw one off the nets into his wide receiver's hands to, to go into the half with the lead. So it literally only takes one second. I just need time to hike the ball, and I'm going to be able to score. That's the mentality in the AFL. And if you give me that time, I'm going to get back within striking range. So it's not that surprising to me to see all these teams that close together. You know, with head-to-head that goes up, you know, I'm not sure the the tiebreaker situation with the AFL. I haven't really researched it that much. But head-to-head, you know, now the Valor have control over Philly and Atlantic City as the rocks right now. If we're looking at point differential, then, yeah, we're down by three because, you know, we, we did things that – shot ourselves in the foot week one and week two. But I think out of the three teams that are in the middle of the pack, I honestly think the Valor are the better team, even though they don't have a better record to show for it. But I think in the end, it's probably going to come down to the four teams that I believe they're going to be in the playoffs is Albany will probably be your number one seed. I think the Valor will end up being your two seed. And I think uh, Philly and Baltimore will probably be your three and four seed. Columbus, I think they're going to have a hard time getting it they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. They had to start their team literally like three months before the season started. So it's hard to get everything up and going and nobody's going to fault them for that. I think they're a grimy team. I think they, they grind really hard. I think they're a good team. I think they end up having maybe three or four wins by the end of the season, maybe more. They, you know, I'm not going to say that they can't beat the Valor this weekend, but I think that, they just have to figure out how they can win, and once they do it, I think they're going to start winning a lot. Uh, but for right now, I think my four teams in the playoff are going to be Albany, Washington, Philadelphia, and Baltimore. All right. Now, last question for you this evening. Um, so the Valor, they're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, What trends have you noticed for when they win, and what trends have you noticed for when they will lose? Okay, well, when they lose, they shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly. Um, like I said uh, earlier in the podcast, you know, we had a bunch of drives stopped within the seven. You cannot kill yourself inside the red zone. In the NFL, it's the 20-yard line. In the AFL, it's the 10-yard line. And the Washington Valor have continued this year to kill themselves inside the 10. Uh, I think that what we need to do is stand tall, produce points, get down the field, and do what we do best. Uh, Arvell Nelson loves to throw the deep pass, and if you take that deep pass away from him, then he's he's caught out. He needs to figure out the short game, or he's going to start running on you. If he starts running on you, it's going to cause all kinds of problems. You, you don't want him to start the mentality of, okay, I'll just run it, because he will, and he will lower the, sh- the shoulder, and he will make your defensive backs pay for it when they do it. Uh, so really, don't shoot yourself in the foot. And it's really been the offense that has shot us ourselves in the foot. Our defense have made some big stands this year. They haven't kept the points as low as some of the Columbus games that they have. But I think that if our defense just stands tall a couple couple drives in the game, 
and the offense continues to produce. I think the past three or four weeks, the Washington Valor offense has put up seven touchdowns. So if you can stop us from putting up 42 or more points, then you've got a good shot. But I think that when it comes down to it, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Give your team a chance to win. And that's what the Washington Valor have done for the past two weeks. And that's allowed them to go to two and two and have their first winning streak of the season. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight, BJ, and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you very much. Again, do want to thank all the guests we had on the show this week. And now jumping into the uh, questions. I do appreciate you guys have kept them coming as we've gone week to week here. I uh, want to keep it part of the show, so thank you very much. First off of uh, Reddit here, um, from uh, SS Napier, uh, is the officiating consistent? Also, do the officials have a clear grasp of the timing rules because the clock operators surely do not? We have seen wide variations in clock stoppages after touchdowns, especially near the end of the first half. The last Valor score of the first half in week four confused me to no end. I will say I didn't see the Valor game this last week, so I, I can't speak to that one specifically. The officiating, I don't think, has been off. Um, I think the officiating's probably been fine for the most part. I, I don't, in no game that I watched have I been like, wow, that was awful. Um, you tend to get a lot of fans who, when their team's losing, the officiating's now worse, which we all kind of get what's going on there. I, at, at no point have I been like, wow, that was just an awful decision. That was a terrible call. Um, so I, I would... The officiating has been bad. I will say the clock operators may not have that great a grasp of the time clocks. I have noticed that where sometimes the clock will seem to stop right after a team kicks their extra point. Sometimes it seems to run another four seconds. Sometimes it, you know, the, the guys just don't seem to know when to start it, when to stop it. And I, I will agree with that. So I don't think the officiating is a problem. I think clock operating sometimes is a, a tricky thing, which... Granted, the Arena Football League has different rules when it comes to clock operations, especially if a clock operator is used to running it for other types of football games, and then they're told, oh, it's a running clock. Which, if you're someone who does clock operations, especially for like high school or your lower levels of football, there are times where, you know, if you're playing Mercy Rule, you'll say, hey, just have a running clock the rest of the game. And for that, for the most part, you almost just don't stop it, even at, you know, incomplete passes and everything else. So sometimes that might be throwing people off. Who knows? But the officiating's fine. The clock stuff, yeah, I could agree there. Um, C. Myers, 1010, would love to hear more about expansion rumors predictions, if there's any update to that. So I said we talked to uh, Commissioner Bo at the little meetup. There was a group of probably about five or six who was considering there was arena fan guys and inside the arena guys and... And all sorts of people just kind of huddled around him as he talked. So he was holding court and we were all listening. Um, the only update that I could give is that it's been said, he told us pretty straightforward now that it is two for next year. Um, the idea is they do not want the league having a roller coaster of adding teams and then going back down. They want this to be a straight trajectory up in the amount of teams. So they feel that two at a time they can handle well as far as expanding, which at this point, I think what they're doing, too, is they're talking about we want to add two at a time. And we're trying to do this with the idea of like if, if say next, say, say in the, you know, in a week or two weeks, someone comes in and says, hey, I want to buy half the league for I'm making up a number here. I have no idea what it's really worth. Someone says I want to buy half the league for 50 million dollars. Maybe then they jump to four. 
Maybe then they have this idea of, oh, well, no, now we have the ability to grow faster and we can do it sustainably. Let's do it. But I think they're comfortable with the idea of two. Because honestly, taking it from a six-team league to an eight-team league last year is not bad. After that, going to ten, that is sustainable and solid and good, and I am happy with it. Um, as far as locations, who knows? The league doesn't know right now. Um, I mean, the, probably the best description I've heard of it is that at headquarters they talk about it hourly. It is something that is always on their minds, where they're going to go next, how they're going to go there, what cities, who to get, all that kind of stuff. How does Fabian... Oh, this is from uh, Columbus Cavalier 72. How does Fabian Guerra's performance rank all-time in the AFL wide receivers? Um, All-time? I mean, there have been other guys who've had six touchdown games. Now, it's I mean, it's, it's probably the best game a Columbus Destroyer's ever had. Um, that I'll, I'll say for just about certain. I mean, the guy had 202 receptions, 202 yards on 13 receptions, four receiving touchdowns. The two on four receiving touchdowns. Um, and then he had the, yeah, the, uh, he had the, the touchdowns on the, the return kicks. I, it was incredible. It was great. It, it's the kind of thing. I mean, the, the Arena Football League, getting the stats for every individual game and the best game ever is sometimes kind of difficult. I started trying to look, and it was a tough time. What I will say it does for the team is when your team's 0 4, having a game like that is something really cool to hang your hat on. Um, having that you know. Because coming into this week, what I would say is there's one player in the AFL that I, everybody kind of universally acknowledges should be playing in the NFL, and that's Malachi Jones. Another couple of weeks, and we can probably all start talking about Fabian Guerra that way. Because he, last, I mean, last week was the kind of game that could get a guy into the NFL. I mean, he just ran like crazy. And I'm, and I'm, I'm very interested to see where he goes from there on this. So, so where it ranks all time, I don't know. But where it ranks as far as Destroyer all-time performances, probably one of the best single-game performances by a Destroyer we've ever seen. Uh, which, again, it's not like the Destroyers have this... I mean, they, they have a history, more history than most of the Arena Football League at this point. But it's not a long-storied one, other than our one year to the Arena Bowl run. It wasn't a great thing. So, uh, and then jumping into Twitter, a couple of questions from uh, from our guest this week, BJ. Uh, apparently, he didn't want to just me ask him all the questions. Uh, as the second home game approaches, what things would you like to see change to make the game more enjoyable, or what things would you add? I thought they did a really good job. They did a really good job. Um, the in-house uh, guy who was who was doing the the game presentation, he brought a cool energy to it. He was excited. He was all into it. Uh, the again, it's wrinkles to iron out. It's things like the 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 cheerleaders or dance team or performers or whatever you want to call them they came out between quarters to do a performance and i something went wrong and they just ended up not being able to do it and i was kind of disappointed because all the stuff they're doing on the side looked really cool and at one point the guy you know when he left they were doing backflips and all sorts of cool stuff so i mean seeing them straight up perform is is something to see so i'm excited about that um if there would be more stuff to sell honestly i mean more gear would be really cool so that would be something I would like to see. Um, I mean, other than that, I, I thought they did a really good job as far as in-game presentation with things that they may change one week to the next. So that I was pretty happy about. Um, overall, I don't know. We'll see how the season plays out. I mean, obviously crowd sizes change what you're going to do and different things, but I thought it was pretty well done. 
Uh, BJ's second question. Whose streak will continue this week? Columbus's loss streak or Valor's win streak? Chip on the shoulder as the defending champs come to town? So what the destroyers are going to be coming very quickly. Um, and, and you tend to see this in a lot of sports when a team is on a losing streak is they start becoming that team that teams don't want to play. And I think that's what the, the territory the destroyers are entering right now. Because everybody knows, and it's, I mean, it's only, it's football, so there's only 12 games. So, I mean, you're going to give it your best every week. But everybody knows now when you play the Destroyers, you're going to be playing a team that is putting that little extra hit on it, that little extra, little extra push because they want that first win. And, and you're going to be giving your best. And you don't want to be the team to be the first team that the Destroyers beat. And, and it's so, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'd pick this week. I think the thing is, the Destroyers, you heard you heard BJ talking about how, oh, well, in the, the Valor's two losses, it's because they shot themselves in the foot. In the Destroyers' four losses, there's times where we could look at it and go, you take out these one or two plays, and this thing goes right down to the wire. I mean, it, it's it's part of the frustration of football um, because things can turn so quickly on those, those little plays, especially arena football, but... I don't know. I, I I don't know who's who's going to continue. I don't I don't like to. I'm not sure. Um, I might put it on Columbus this week that they might put it together. This is kind of in response to the next question. How many times a practice? Uh, this is from Scott Ackerman at the Sack One Five One. How many times a practice do they work on the center QB exchange because it's not enough? They are doing it more and more each week. And you heard in a little talk with Coach Sock that uh, there's apparently some change-ups coming to the line to try and fix that. Hopefully this has fixed the problem. Honestly, if the Destroyers can have a whole week of clean quarterback center exchange, <laughs> that might be enough for them to beat any team in the league. We'll see. Anyway, guys, thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm enjoying making it. So um, thank you very much for listening, and go Destroyers. Thank you for listening to Battle Stations. 